Hello and welcome to the show. We are so glad, and I mean so glad that you are here today. And my co-host today is Yasmin Khan. Yasmin, it's so good to have you here. And she is a contributor for The Breakdown. Yasmin, break down for us what's happening on The Breakdown. There's a lot going on over at The Breakdown. And you can find all the stories over on the YouTube channel. Recently, we were talking about, actually this one isn't out yet, but it's coming. Uh, uh, Michael Cohen is testifying again with the New York prosecutors uh, in regards to the Stormy Daniels allegations with all of the the trumped up charges regarding a hush payment. Uh, So that's coming back around. And also we did a recent story about uh, school board members who are getting really threatening, scary messages, personally threatening messages from MAGA people who are afraid of critical race theory and transgender rights in schools, things like that. And ultimately, these school board members are having to field off all of these threatening messages and they're not not able to do their actual jobs, which is really doing a disservice to the students. Yeah, and what kind of threats are they getting? The threats are are pretty scary, Uh, things like sexual assault, um, calling them really, really terrible racist names and misogynistic names and threatening violence on them and their families, things like that. And uh, in the video that's in my video that where I talked about it, the school board member reads out some of those messages and they're really hard to listen to. They're hard to, to wrap your head around just how evil and how hateful people can be in the name of their own fear, which is really what's driving a lot of this. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that the school board members are reading those things out aloud so people can hear what some of their, their neighbors and friends are threatening over CRT. And even if critical race theory was taught in K through 12, which it is not, it's not even taught in regular colleges, it's taught in law school. Their responses do not equate to what they think is happening. I'm telling you guys, but I really do believe that somebody, some forces are amping these people up so that they continue to see people as the other. So whether it's transgender, people of color, they see some kind of threat. They have this kind of fear that is amping them up even to the point of threatening violence against other people, which is wrong. And I bet so many of these people believe in so-called law and order, right? These are law and order types. But the irony is that they're willing to break the law for these falsehoods that are stirring them up. It's really a shame. You guys, you don't wanna miss what Yasmin is putting out there on the breakdown. We must support and watch and listen. If you got neighbors, you gotta have conversations with people. This stuff is insane is what it is. So tragedy strikes again, speaking of insanity, tragedy strikes again, more mass shootings. So we'll be talking about today. And then Ron DeSantis, AKA DeSanctimonious is at it again. And he's trying to defend his whitewashed version of education in Florida. I mean, if the man wanted to be president or chairman of the school board, he should have done that instead of being governor. But it would be definitely a threat to the education of the children in Florida if he really did was the chair of the school board. He's already doing enough damage as it is. And then the shadow president is back, none other than West Virginia's very own Senator Joe Manchin. He claims the neoliberal title once again. Now make sure you subscribe to this show. If you are not subscribed, please subscribe and share this with your friends and your frenemies. Tell them this is one of the best hours of their day. Will you do that? Joining us on Unboss. So gun violence refuses to slow down in this country. Take a look. 
It is happening again. There's breaking news tonight in the relentless epidemic of gun violence in the United States. Police in Half Moon Bay, California, just south of San Francisco, say seven people have been killed in a mass shooting. One suspect is in custody and a motive is not yet known. It comes as the city of Monterey Park, just outside Los Angeles, remembers victims of a separate mass shooting at a dance studio that took place Saturday night. The attack was in a largely Asian-American community during a Lunar New Year celebration. Eleven people are dead and nine others injured in the wake of the massacre. Yeah, this is straight sadness here and madness. And that wasn't even the end of it. Check out these headlines. Shootout at Oakland gas station kills one, wounds seven. Two students are fatally shot at youth program in Des Moines. An 18 year old gang member has been charged with murdering two teenagers who the authorities said were in a rival gang. The founder of the program for at risk youth was also shot and was seriously injured. And if you lost count of the gun violence to start the year, you can't be blamed for, for losing count. We barely have time to process one tragedy when the next one occurs. Three weeks and 39 mass shootings. This is America 2023. And this is not just America in 2023, this is America period. And check out this tweet from Governor Gavin Newsom. At the hospital meeting with victims of a mass shooting when I get pulled away to be briefed about another shooting this time in Half Moon Bay. Tragedy upon tragedy. And that honestly sums it up. This is the collective reality here in this country. There is no time to process one tragedy before we are hit with the next one. They just don't stop. And I want to put up what I had to say about these tragedies, my stunt double that is. The victims of America's next mass shootings are alive today. That's the reality we must grapple with. We know it won't end, that feeling of helplessness is unacceptable. I don't care what political party you belong to, we have to agree that this is unsustainable. And this chart points to that. Mass shootings in the US are on the rise. Incidences in which four or more people were killed or injured. And we see from 2014 to 2023, the increase in the number of mass shootings. And we are just beginning the year of 2023 and we are already at 39. I mean, Yasmin, my, my heart breaks over this. I'm sure millions of other people's hearts break as well. But this is indeed America in 2023. Those numbers are staggering. We're at two a days. You know, I remember when Columbine happened, and that was kind of the first really big, high-profile mass shooting that we had really seen in the nation. And it happened at a high school. I was, you know, I don't remember under 10 years old when it happened, and it was all anyone could talk about. That was in the 90s, and we're still having the exact same conversations around guns and mass shootings today as we were back then. We are running out of things to say. Two a day, two shootings a day. That's you have to do something at some point. Since then, the number of mass shootings we've seen has skyrocketed to the point that now we're at three a day for 2023. They're not even headline news anymore. It's too much for people to keep up with. It's just part of life here in the United States. And unfortunately, 
that numbness to atrocity that we're all feeling, that's kind of part of the plan, right? And I'm not speaking conspiratorially. What I mean is that the people in power, whether that's Congress or the NRA or whoever, they know that eventually our anger and our fervor will inevitably die down because we cannot sustain that kind of collective heartache for very long. So they wait it out. And unfortunately, nothing that you or I say here will likely make a difference to them because, I mean, if the deaths of innocent people, including children, don't move the needle, then why would discourse? And you're right, it does feel very, very helpless. Yeah, it does. And you're absolutely right. And the mass, we're just simply talking about mass shootings. We're not talking about the other types of shootings oh, that take sure. place in this country every single day. And here's a breakdown of gun violence in just this month alone. Gun violence in 2023 so far. Total number of gun violence deaths. 2,801, suicide 1,584, homicide, murder about 1,200, teens ages 12 to 17 killed 99, children ages 0 to 11 killed 21. And again, we are at the beginning, we are at the sunrise of the year 2023. And all of that violence and sadness in just one, one month, what is the common thread? Guns. Columbine was supposed to be a wake up call. It wasn't. Sandy Hook was supposed to be a wake up call. It wasn't. The Las Vegas massacre that left 60 people dead was supposed to be a wake up call. It wasn't. Uvalde was supposed to be a wake up call. It wasn't. We've become too numb. I've said many times on this show that we don't even take the time to collectively mourn those we have lost. So whether it's through gun violence or it's because of the pandemic, we as a nation do not take our moments to collectively mourn the loss of lives in such traumatic and deadly fashion. We just keep on going about our day as if everything is okay. But everything is not okay. You know, something that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, and he's one of the most quotable human beings that ever walked the face of the earth. But yes, when I'm thinking about when he said, what affects one directly affects us all indirectly. And so the point that you were making about the political types and how they answer to the NRA, their God, their owner donors, these are the reasons why the needle is not moving, not only on the use of gun violence, that mass shootings. But just even in how we deal with guns as a nation. I mean, you got some people out here who truly believe that the Second Amendment is an absolute right, that they do cling to those guns more than they care about anything else and do not give any thought to anybody else's rights at all. I mean, this is mind numbing, it is mind blowing. And people can go on about the second amendment on and on and on. But we have a problem in this country. And as a reminder from yesterday's show, the second amendment is indeed not absolute. In other words, it is no more important than the other parts of the United States Constitution. How about the preamble to the United States Constitution? Is that preamble important as well? I would hope so, which is exactly why we finally need to have some federal regulations happen along with a whole host of other kind of social and emotional tools 
to help us through this in a, as a country. So HR 7910, Protecting Our Kids Act, generally prohibits the sale or the transfer of certain semi-automatic firearms to individuals who are under 21 years of age, establishes new federal criminal offenses for gun trafficking and related conduct, establishes a federal statutory framework to regulate ghost guns. We need that to happen. It's common sense to enact gun reform instead of politicians just tossing up their hands with thoughts and prayers. Look, I believe in thoughts and I do believe in prayers, but I also believe in action. Because from the Christian Bible perspective, it says that faith without works is dead. So we need some of these elected officials to put some work, some action behind this so-called faith. This does not have to be this way. We need comprehensive universal health care for all. We need to make sure there's a difference between people who have been diagnosed with a mental uh, mental health condition and people who are having a mental illness breakdown in the moment. Two different things, because far too often we want to blame this on people who already have diagnosed mental health issues and it does a disservice, it is an insult. Because the vast majority of people who have been diagnosed with a mental health challenge are not out here picking up guns and killing folks. On the other hand, mental illness itself is real. And what is the psyche of America right now? We need a healing like no other and we need some action. Our thoughts and our prayers, you know, I am gonna say that I do believe that our thoughts and our prayers do go out to all of the victims of this gun violence and to each and every one of us because we are all connected to the next person that may be suffering from this directly. And then we need elected leaders to do something about it. We have the resources to do something about it. You don't hear about this in other industrialized countries. You wanna know why? I'm so glad you asked me. You don't hear about this in other industrialized nations because they do not cling to the gun in the same way. There's not an over proliferation of guns in those other nations like it is now. Trust me, folks, we got a problem on our hands and we collectively can solve that problem together. I sigh deeply, I'm trying not to sigh y'all, but it's just that kind of moment right now. We moving from mass gun violence to just mass foolishness. Governor DeSanctimonious is at it again, watch this. And we wanna do uh, history and that's what our standards for, for black history are, it's just cut and dried history. You learn all the basics, you learn about the great figures. And you know, I view it as American history. I don't view it as separate history. You know, we have history, it, a lot of different shapes and sizes. People that have participated uh, to make the country great, uh, people that have stood up when it wasn't easy, and they all deserve uh, uh, to be taught. But abolishing prisons, being taught to high school kids as if that's somehow a fact, no, that, that's, that's not appropriate. I cannot with this man, okay? Throwing up the papers, just cannot with him. He wants the basics taught. Did you hear this fool? Just a he wants to talk about the great people in African American history. He views African American history as America's history. That's the only right thing that this man has said. But are you listening, America, to this governor who has problems on his hands in that state, but yet and still he wants to sit up here and try to regulate education? And then he wants to talk about African American history as if everything about the history of black Americans in this country has been good? It has not, sir. 
Now we know they came before Columbus. Don't get me started on that. Yes, the history of African American people did not begin and end with chattel slavery. Hello, somebody, but let me just set this man straight. All he wants to talk about are the great figures. Do you want to talk about great figures like like Frederick Douglass, a great figure that was once enslaved in the United States of America, escaped slavery, became an abolitionist and one of the most well-known freedom fighters in this country. Is that the kind of great figures you want to talk about? Or do you want to talk about Harriet Tubman, the Moses of her people who went back to the South over and over again to save black people from being enslaved and then served as a spy for the Union Army? Are those the kind of great people that you want to talk about, Governor DeSantis? Do you want to talk about slave owners? Do you want to talk about the fact in this country that people who look like me were considered chattel owned property? And that even in the midst of the American Revolution, the mofos fighting for their freedom didn't decide that they are going to set enslaved black people free as they try to escape the thumb of the crown. Oh No, they kept it going into the creation of this new nation. Man, you're sick. You really are. Florida, you need to get this governor. America, we should never ever let this man become president of the United States of America because he can't handle the truth. He wouldn't know the truth if it slapped him in the face. What he is trying to do is erase the experience of black people in the United States of America if it doesn't fit his narrow narrative. That's what he's trying to do. Yes, I, I'm. I am just. I'm done with this man. I, I just don't even know what to say about the sanctimonious. That's one thing Trump got right. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. You can't speak about great figures in African American history without acknowledging the adversity that they were born into. What made them great in a lot of ways. African American history is American history. It gets its own course because there's simply too much information to cram into a push to do it justice. Right? There's nothing racist about the course. The point of education is to expand knowledge and to practice critical thinking skills. DeSantis is intentionally obstructing education efforts in his own state, and he's doing an incredible disservice to the younger generations by doing so. Yeah, he is, because God forbid all children learn the truth about this country, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yes, there's been some good. There's a whole bunch of bad and ugly that still reverberates in the 21st century. God forbid that. You know, Yasmin, I was on CNN the other night with one of my colleagues who said, you know, we we don't want white children made to feel like they have somehow, you know, done something wrong to somebody. When what teacher does that? They're just teaching the lessons of history in a very holistic way. But I tell you what has happened in the United States of America: Black children have been made to feel inferior. And that's not just my thought, it has been proven. Brown versus the Board of Education clearly proved that black children were made to feel inferior in this country. And that's just not that's not just one example. But how is it that telling the truth about this country's history all of a sudden makes somebody else's child feel inferior? What about black children? What about black parents? Florida, get this dude, please get him. Now, what concerns do they have? You know, because this is Ron DeSantis dipping his nose where it doesn't belong. Brawley claiming that the new AP study somehow violates state law and that it lacks educational value. Who gets to determine that? You, Governor DeSantis? And who the hell are you? You're not an educator. Let's put this up. What concerns did they have? 
concerning the topics and the lesson plans. This was about AP Black Studies, Black Clear Queer Studies, Black Lives Matter movement, Black feminist literary thought, the reparations movement, the Black struggle in the 21st century, readings by Black scholars and activists and writers. What is wrong with that? I didn't see this dude trying to do away with other advanced courses. Oh no, but just advanced Black history. Let's go ahead. What sparked these comments from this sanctimonious fella? Play the clip. This course, so when I heard it didn't meet the standards, I figured, yeah, they may be doing serious. It's way more than that. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We what standards, Governor? Man, if this was not a family show. What, what, what type of standards, Governor? There have been some great queer, there are great queer champions within history. And so why not be able to talk about them? James Baldwin, one of the greatest novelists of the 21st century, just one of many. We can name so many others. Why does that rattle you so much, Governor? Why do you have so much hate for our queer sisters and brothers and family and friends? Dude, you got a problem. And again, who are you to determine what is educationally relevant and what is not? You need to be making sure that the material conditions of the poor, the working poor and the barely middle class are somehow edified in the great state of Florida. Florida deserves better than you, dude. I would love to debate you, bring it on, baby. I invite you anytime, anywhere. You wouldn't know intersectionality if it smacked you in the face. There's something wrong with you, dude. That you got this much time on your hands as the governor of a state to sit up here and pause and have a press conference to get other people rattled about this foolishness. Man, you a straight up fool. You really, really are. And some history on the development of the courses. Put it up, y'all. The advanced placement program is the first course in African American studies. Get it studies, which is broad, to be offered by the college board. It would allow high school students to earn credit and advanced placement at many colleges across the country. What is wrong with that genius? And here's how the, I mean, this is it, period. And this is how the board describes the course. The course has been in development for more than a decade until this dude comes along. And it focuses not just in history, but explores the vital contributions, underline it, underscore, put it in a message in a bottle, and experiences of African Americans in literature, the arts, political science, geography, and science. But governor, you wouldn't get that because you are just using this for your political playground. You just amping up all the folks. You just, this is more than a dog whistle, baby. You are signaling, signaling to the folks who you want to be all bent out of shape about this. Something wrong with you, really. Florida. Something wrong with this dude. And the kicker is the syllabus wasn't even publicly released. Somebody leaked this. That's the kicker. Did you hear what I said? It wasn't even publicly released. Somebody leaked this, which just further proves that this man has an agenda to continue to separate people one from another, to continue to paint people as the other. And we know what happens to groups of people in the United States of America when that happens, the other end of folks. Something wrong with this dude. Now remember, in Florida, which DeSantis has declared the state where woke goes to die. 
DeSantis and Republican legislative leaders have approved laws that limit what schools and employers can teach about racism and other aspects of history. This is wrong. And it does a disservice to every child, no matter how they identify, no matter what their racial or ethnic or religious background is, it does a disservice to those children who we will need to not only navigate the United States of America, we need them to navigate the world. It does them a disservice and it is a total insult to all the educators in that great state. Florida, you can do better and you deserve better. DeSantis baby, anytime, anywhere, we'll be back. Hello, beloves, welcome back to the show. I'm still hot, I'ma let you know, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm not hot. You know, I had a boss who once said, if your hair is on fire, act like your hair is on fire. And for those of you who know me, you know I don't play games when my hair is on fire. I, I definitely make sure that the requisite emotion is felt. Things are out of control in this in these United States of America. Between the mass shootings and this foolishness in Florida and amping people up like this as if not enough, we don't have enough hate in the world. We got elected officials spewing more hate. I mean, this is the same dude that put migrants on a on a plane and sent them over to, to Martha's Vineyard. This dude who wastes millions of dollars of the taxpayers' money in Florida. Yeah, y'all need to come and get this fool. He's a fool. I'm gonna calm down just a little bit because we had my favorite part. But those of you who don't know me, you just tuning in. Listen, I, I don't play games. When it's serious, I make sure people understand that it's serious. But we're gonna go into our library, spin the wheel, baby, become a member, become part of the family of TYT. Why don't you sign up and do just that? Sign up and spin, spin. Sign up for an annual membership to TYT and spend the wheel for exciting prizes. Become an annual TYT member at tyt.com slash spin. Spin the wheel when you get your membership confirm confirmation by email. Land on the prize and wait for a delivery via email. You know what I say, we're gonna send it to you, but not via Southwest because you may never get it. Your prize might still be stuck at the damn airport. And the watch list, celebrate the first anniversary of the watch list. Happy anniversary watch list. Get 15% off JR rated merch. Yeah, baby, you don't wanna miss that. You wanna be cool, too cool for school? Check it out at theshoptyt.com. Yeah, go ahead and do that. And coming up next, we got Deep Dive with Jordan Yule right after the show. Go to twitch.tv slash TYT. Jordan does the thing over there. Now to the comments. I'm about to have a little Wusa moment and I'm amping right back up. From our TYT members, DJ Dragon, Nina and Yaz. Yay, love me some powerful women on a Tuesday afternoon. Love you both. Well, Yaz and I both are sending you that love back. And yeah, you right, ain't nothing like some powerful women, baby. You better say that twice or three or four times if you want to. Tall glass, hey, tall glass, baby. I would so pay to see my Shiro, the powerhouse Miss Nina Turner debate that bigoted clown DeSantis. Tall glass, he don't want none of this. He do not want none of this, but let it be known on Unboss, I have challenged the governor of the great state of Florida, DeSanctimonious himself to a debate. He don't want none of this. And I'm sending for you, baby. You know, I always tell people, don't come for me unless I send for you. Oh, I'm sending for you, Governor Ron DeSantis, aka DeSanctimonious. On Twitch, thank you, Tall Glass. On Twitch, Wasty, Nina Turner for president, for POTUS. <laughs> thank you, Wasty, baby. I'm not quite sure this nation or the world ready for this. <laughs> Ooh, baby, they ain't ready. And on YouTube, Super Chat, Orlando, hey Orlando. Hello, Miss Nina Turner, I love your show. 
Keep up the good work, beautiful black queen. Orlando, thank you, baby, so much. And I do receive that. You know, I'm not really down for monarchies and all, but if there has to be one, yeah, I would definitely want to be the queen. No, thank you, darling. Many thanks to all of you. You, you helped bring a smile to my face. We appreciate your support of us here on Unboss, and we appreciate your support of our TYT network. We would not be able to do what we do, boo, without you. So thank you so very much. I thought I was going to be able to calm down. That was just uh, temporary because we going into a WTF moment. The shadow president, none other than Joe Manchin himself, is thinking about becoming the real president. And it has me asking WTF neoliberal. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. If you run for office in 2024, you're going to run as a Democrat? Chuck, I haven't made a decision what I'm going to do in 2024. I've got two years ahead of me now to do the best I can for the state and for my country. What are, what's on the table? Is re-election on the table? Everything's on the table. Is running for governor on the table or no? No, I, I, okay. I've done that. That I, you've ruled out. I've done that. Yeah. So everything on the table, there's basically only one other thing, the presidency. Is that something you would do outside the Democratic Party? The only it? thing I can tell you is what I will do is whatever I can when I make my decision, what I think is the best that I can support and represent the people of West Virginia, but also be true to this country and the constitution of this country. Now, if a progressive or so-called progressive had said that everything was on the table, the damn neoliberals will be coming for our lunch. But this dude right here, because he is the shadow president, the captain of the neoliberals can sit up here on national TV, which is his right. Look, hey, I ain't mad at him. You thinking about running for president? Go and put it out there. He said everything is on the table except for running for governor. He said, I've been there, done that. So there are only two other choices. Running for re-election as a, as a United States senator in West Virginia or running for president. All options are on the table. I like that in you, Joe Manchin. You damn right. All options are on the table. So when progressives, freedom fighting progressives or even these so-called progressives who might be pondering to run for the United States presidency against the current president, I want to hear y'all mouth. Neoliberals, I want to hear nothing from you. And is there really a point in Manchin even running it all? I mean, hell, he already enjoying the presidency right now because he's gotten everything that he's ever wanted. 2022 was particularly a happy year for this man. Put up this headline. Joe Manchin killed the expanded child tax credit. Democrats have a new plan to revive it. The West Virginia senator shut down talk. Underlined and underscored bolded messaging bottle of extending the expanded credit in the reconciliation bill. But some in Congress see hope in future negotiations over a tax package. When you got power, okay, what you, what you hoping for? This man stopped the child tax credit. West Virginia, come get your guy. He stopped it. Yasmin, really? Yeah. Uh- In that interview with Chuck Todd, he really didn't say a whole lot of anything, right? And I'm just curious, if he were to run for for president, who would Joe Manchin's core demographic even be? I see that he's trying to make a play for the centrist, the people who aren't happy with either party and the people who maybe aren't thrilled with Biden's performance as a Democratic president. But who will actually be supporting him? Right, if he runs as a Democrat, I can't imagine that the Democrats will back him. And the Republicans seem pretty poised to back DeSantis in 2024. It'd be hard to imagine that the people of West Virginia would even support him either, specifically because they actually tried to elect a Democratic senator and instead they got whatever Joe Manchin is. 
I'm sure he has a lot of people who love him and resonate with his message of unity. However, disingenuous it might be coming from him. But it'll be interesting to see what comes of his entire political career from this point forward. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Who is indeed his constituency? Let's throw up this headline, Manchin balks at climate and tax pieces of the Biden agenda bill, but backs health care provisions. I mean, the man got everything he wants. Manchin's position leaves Democrat leaders with a grueling choice. He has been doing that from the beginning, or even now with the debt ceiling debacle and the GOP proposing cuts to Social Security. How does Manchin feel? Take a look. The White House says that they want Congress to pass a clean debt ceiling increase. <coughs> um, no negotiations with Republicans at all. Is that a mistake? Well, I think it's a mistake because we have to negotiate. This is a, this is a democracy that we have. We have a two-party system, as, if you will. And we should be able to talk and find out where our differences are. And if they're irreconcilable, then you have to move on from there and let the people make their decisions. Uh, using the debt ceiling and holding it hostage hasn't worked in the past. And I was Manchin just this past Sunday on CNN. And of course, Manchin thinks we should negotiate with the GOP. He's been doing it the entire time. This headline, advocates say, hell no. As Manchin pitches Social Security deal with the GOP and advocates, you are right to say hell no. Leave that clip up, put that clip back. See, that's the requisite emotion that should be articulated right there. You don't play games with stuff like this when it comes to somebody's life and their death and their livelihood. So activists are right to say hell no. I'm sure they wanted to say some other stronger words. And yep, we talked about this last week. Manchin's proposal with Mitt Romney. Here it is. Manchin and Romney, legislation known as the Trust Act, is explicitly modeled after the infamous Simpson Bowles Commission that recommended deep cuts to Social Security in 2011. Now, we know good and well that Social Security and Medicare were two of the most important programs of the 20th century to pull elders out of poverty. And then you got these two fools, these two geniuses willing to do a deal to cut it. Why? Because they really don't care about the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class elders. Y'all, I hope y'all see this. Don't vote for these fools. Please don't do it. And Manchin says, though, you know what? Manchin claims that his priorities are the people of West Virginia. But sadly, the facts say otherwise. West Virginia quality of life rankings, let's put those up so we can see how, just how much the, this, this uh, senator loves his state. West Virginia quality of life rankings, healthcare 47th, education 45th, economy 48th, infrastructure 50th, natural environment 36th. How much does this dude care? And going back to Manchin's refusal to pass the child tax credit, let's put up this lovely headline right here. Manchin's child tax credit stands. Draws criticism back home. You're damn right it does. Because guess what? The last time I checked, there are poor, working poor, and barely middle class people in the great state of West Virginia. Y'all need to go on and pour out into the streets like they did in France. And Kelly Allen, the executive director of the West Virginia Center on Budget and Policy, said at this time, there is no state that's more impacted by the CTC, child tax credit. West Virginia, frankly, wasn't doing great before the pandemic. So this is absolutely needed now and in the long term. So Yasmin, I really don't understand how this man can can just go around and do what he does, knowing that the very people who elected him to use his power to change material conditions for their betterment, that he is absolutely not doing any of those things. Yeah, it seems like there's definitely a time limit on this whole shtick that he's got, right? before. 
all of us, including his constituents, take um, you know, get hip to it, right? And I take issue with his assertion that Americans want centricism or centrism. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of Americans do, but it just doesn't work for most of us. And if you look at the numbers, regardless of party, the majority of Americans tend to support more left-leaning initiatives and values. For example, most Americans want better conditions for workers and they want those child tax credits and they most Americans are pro-choice. Yeah, we need unity and we need to find compromise where it can be found. But when politicians like Joe Manchin use the term centrism, it's typically being used as an excuse for politicians to do the bare minimum, which is maintaining the status quo without actually improving anything for anyone, often doing so while lining their own pockets. Yeah, that is absolutely right. West Virginia, please come get your guy, please. Uh, on to another member of Congress with something more productive, uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. She has introduced a bill. She said enough is enough. The representative has introduced an anti-white supremacy bill. And here's more on that bill. The Democratic representative from Texas has introduced House Resolution 61, which would amend Title 18 of the United States Code to broaden the definition of hate crimes with the goal of preventing and prosecuting hate crimes motivated by white supremacy and conspiracy to commit such crimes. The text of the bill reads as follows, a person commits a white supremacy inspired hate crime when white supremacist ideology has motivated the planning, development, preparation or uh, uh, perpetuation of actions that constitute a crime or were undertaken in furtherance of activity that if effectuated would have constituted a crime. Now, the Department of Justice's Uniform Crime Reporting Program would keep track of white supremacist inspired hate crimes and other related actions. Unfortunately, Rep. Lauren Bolbert had to chime in. Yeah, that genius did have to chime in. Let's take a look at her tweet, shall we? In case you weren't aware of what the Democrats were prioritizing in the 118th Congress, just take a look. When they're not bankrupt, bank Corrupting our country, they're busy making a mockery of the First Amendment. Lord, please, I, I you know what, doesn't even deserve a, a comment. This lady right here, who barely won her reelection, she need to sh sit down and take two seats. And Representative Lee uh, Jackson Lee clapped back. Here's how she clapped back. Put up the clap back, babies. Lauren, you would think now that you're in the majority, you would actually consider reading. Maybe because it's fundamental, the bills you tweet about, or maybe even hire someone who could help you. <laughs> go ahead, old Representative Jackson. <laughs> Jackson, go ahead, say that. Tell us, hire somebody who could help you. This tweet is inflammatory and factless, and you know it. Yeah, she know it. She just got that uh, horn going. Uh, Yasmin, your thoughts about the the bill? Yeah, so she's actually from Houston. She represents the north side of Houston, so that this is fun to see. But yeah, critics of the bill seem to be under the impression that just because they say something that might be racist on Twitter, that that's going to be illegal and that they're going to be subject to criminal um, investigations because of it. The bill explicitly states that it's addressing criminal actions that are motivated by white supremacy. And she's right, if you read the bill, you will see that. And I have read the bill. It's a bill that's already in place and she's just expanding the scope of it to address what our own government agencies actually acknowledge as the biggest threat of domestic terrorism, which is white supremacy. 
And I was actually, I was watching an interview that um, Representative Jackson Lee did on MSNBC, and she clarified the text and the context of the bill, and she addressed Tucker Carlson's reporting on it, where he actually used an anti-Semitic term to rile up his base in his reporting. So it, it makes sense that somebody like Tucker Carlson or even Lauren Boebert would be afraid of a bill like this. Yeah, it, it does. And you know what, again, this is America. We see what these people are trying to do. There is a segment, unfortunately, of America who are stoked by this type of talk, this type of language and feel as though something is being taken from them, but it's not. It is really about making sure that people of this nation are truly safe and that there are some repercussions and consequences for hate crimes. That's really all this is about. And we all should be in support of that, but not those geniuses. They're not. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back to the show, my second favorite part. I've, I've been having a woosah moment this entire time, but here we go. TYT members, Mickey, hey Mickey, way to go Nina. We love your fire and total lack of fear. Thank you so much, Mickey. And on Twitch, Galfair, Galfar, please forgive me if I'm mispronouncing your name. Option three for Mansion, get on that super yacht and head out into the Atlantic and never come back. You know what, he's not gonna do that because he's having too much fun grifting up there in the United States Congress. But again, we appreciate all of you, appreciate you viewing and your comments and your support of Unbossed and the TYT Network. Now I have up next one very fascinating, motivating, writing maven, marvel, writing marvel, man. And his name is John Nichols. He's national correspondent for The Nation magazine. John, it is so good to see you, so good to be with you. And wait, don't say anything yet, because I want folks, you know, everybody don't know the one and only John Nichols, a pioneer political blogger, writes about politics, as I just said, as a national correspondent for The Nation magazine. His pieces have circulated internationally. He's internationally known. Uh, he's written numerous books and he has been mentioned on many debates in the halls of Congress. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere I wanna be, John Nichols is. And if you wanna be smarter, you need to read John Nichols. Hey John, how you doing darling? Well, that was probably the most generous introduction I've ever had. So I should should probably just uh, stop right here. Uh, but I'm I'm doing well because I'm with you, Nina. What an honor to to join you on Unbossed. Well, it is a pleasure to have you. And that was only a portion of your bio. I stopped because I I know you don't want me to read all of that, so I won't do it. Um, John and I have been on the road many a day. I've mm -hmm. seen many things across this great nation. So John, it's good to have you here with us. So at the top of our show today, we talked about yesterday, we talked about today, unfortunately, the mass shootings. And we've had 39 mass shootings this year so far. The year is just getting started. We're at the sunrise of 2023. So from California to Oakland to Iowa, these things are happening. This is only January. What do you think is happening in our country and what can we do? Look, what's happening in our country is what's been happening. Uh, we have had mass violence for a very, very long time. Uh, in some senses, we're better at charting it now. We pay closer attention, and I think that's good. We should be aware of it. Um, but at the same time, there's so much that we, we can become immune, and we have to be careful about that. 
we have to recognize that in every one of these cases, this is a precious loss of life. And people are losing loved ones, people are in fear, kids in schools, uh, terrified uh, by all the drills and everything. And so we end up in a situation where as a country, we're really challenged morally. Um, when do we say no? When do we say this has to stop? And it isn't just about gun control. Gun control is, is one element of it. But as Michael Moore showed us with his film Columbine, or wait, Bowling for Columbine, yeah. yeah. And in Bowling for Columbine many, many years ago, what he showed us was that uh, Canada uh, has a lot of gun ownership, but uh, they don't have the same level of mass violence. They don't have the same level of mass shootings. So this requires a deeper examination of ourselves and uh, of our country. And I think one of the things that, that Michael Moore came away with was an understanding that uh, Canada has a national health care system. Canada has programs that care for uh, people with mental health needs as well as physical health needs. Canada has a, a lot of systems to make sure that there's a social safety net underneath folks. And I do think that's a part of it. I think that having a, a society where there's there are more options and uh, where there is a bit more security, uh, that can that can help. And so I, I don't want to be glib about this. I don't want to suggest there's one simple answer. I think there are complex answers. But I do think as a country, we should be rushing, rushing to try and get to those answers and to try and make the changes that we need to as a society, because we can't have a year where every day brings us another mass shooting. That's exactly right. And, and the mass shootings coupled with all the other things that are happening in the country just you know, naturally would happen. Um, it definitely takes its toll on us, very complex. I totally agree with you on that, John. Millions of French citizens have taken to the streets over President Emmanuel Macron's proposal to increase the retirement age for most workers from 62 to 64. John, they did not hesitate, millions. And you have eight major unions jumping into the fray from teachers, transportation workers. They are not playing in France. What is happening over there? Can we get some of that magic over here? Well, that is the great question and the great hope. Uh, look, uh, what the French are saying is something that's really important. You ought to be able to retire at an age where you can still live your life, right? You know, yes. retirement shouldn't come uh, be pushed to the point where where you have very little opportunity to do things. And in France, they have a retirement age of 62. That's reasonable, especially for people who uh, work physical labor, right? Who have tough, challenging lives. 62 is a fair point at which to retire, and the neoliberal global push uh, for people to work harder for less has come to France. And the French are saying no. Now, what we ought to take away from that is that we still have to construct many of the uh, elements of the safety net that France already has. And so I hear people in America sometimes saying, wow, they can retire at 62. What are they complaining about? Even if it goes to 64, they're still better off than we are. That's not the right attitude. The right attitude is that we should be looking at, at other countries around the world that have achieved you know, some measure of security for the working class. And we should be saying, we are in solidarity with them. We support what they're doing. And we do wanna bring those demands to this country. And I will tell you, Nina, I know exactly where we will see a similar level of protest. And that is if the Republicans go for social security, Medicare and Medicaid. If they start to attack those programs, we have to push back 
I mean, we can't just, you know, let our social safety net as weak as it is be, you know, torn apart and be torn away. So we may well uh, have to take some lessons from the French in short order. And let me hope that we learn them because the fact is going out there and saying you have a right to retire at a reasonable age, your right to have security in retirement, that isn't just something for old folks. That isn't just something for people who have other challenges in their lives. That is something for all of us because we are all gonna be older and we are all gonna need that social safety net. That's exactly right. I mean, the one thing that we all have in common, if God blesses us to live, is we all will become seasoned. I mean, there's only two choices here. There's no yes. middle ground. Um, absolutely that. And I will be right out there with the folks if they come for that Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. God knows. I hope that they do not. And John, oh my, I just we gotta have you back uh, again. Please promise me you're gonna come back just real quickly because I think we only have one minute left in the show. This time went way too fast. You and Senator Bernard Sanders are working on a book that's coming out here soon titled "It's Okay to Be Angry About." capitalism in about 15 seconds, break it down for us. Very easy. The fact of the matter is we live in a system that isn't working. It's working for the very, very rich. Uber capital is a great success for the billionaire class. It's not a great success for the working class. And so what we argue in this book is that we need to have a society where economic and social and racial justice are a reality for all people. And it is possible in the United States. And when is the book coming out? February 21st, I believe. February 21st. It's okay to be angry about capitalism. I cannot wait to read that. We're gonna have you back on to discuss that book. Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, the one and only John Nichols. I adore you, John. Keep doing the great work that you are doing. Yes, we do need a political, a moral political economy. That's what we need and we can have that. Thanks for having me on. It's such an honor to be with you, Nita. Oh, my pleasure. And we will have you back again. Well, thank you, sisters and brothers and family and friends. That does it for us today on Unboss. It has been a rip roaring ride, a roller coaster. Yes, it has. You know what I want you to do about this time. Absolutely want you to keep the faith. But more importantly, I want you to keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.